Our text tonight is Isaiah 42 and verse 16. And let me just read it to you to remind you of it. I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These things I will do for them and not forsake them. It's a wonderful verse really in this passage in Isaiah which points us to the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that is found in him. Friend, there is nothing as important as that in all the world for you to be thinking on this night. You know, of all the things that you could be about this night, there is nothing that compares dwelling upon the reality of salvation in Jesus Christ. And throughout the Bible, the Old and New Testament, this matter of how we can be saved runs throughout. And the Lord Jesus is there throughout the Scriptures, the only Savior. And as we've said so many times before, the Old Testament points forward to the coming of Messiah, the coming of Jesus Christ to die on the cross for sinners, for his people. And then the New Testament, it looks at that coming of the Savior, that doing of that work, what he has done for his people in dying on the cross, and all the outworkings of that and the consequences of it, all centering on Jesus Christ, and all given to reveal to us how we can be made right with God and reconciled to him and delivered by his grace. How we can become real Christians and trust the Lord and know what it is to be safe in him both now and forever. And we see this in our text tonight. And the first thing that we need to do is to ask what is happening in this chapter. How are we to understand what is taking place? Well, the opening part of the chapter from verses 1 through 18 deals with that coming of the Lord Jesus. If you look at verse 1, it says, Behold, my servant. And that is a description of Christ, who is the, the servant of God to save us, to die for us, who loved us and came to bring this salvation. Now, beyond God's purposes for the Jews, verses 1 to 18 deals with Christ bringing salvation to the nations of the world, to the Gentiles that he would come and lay down his life and die in order that the light of the gospel would shine throughout the world. And these nations are called the Gentiles, and throughout the world he will tell us how we can be saved. You see the same thing in verse 18 where there is that, that declaration, Hear you deaf, and look you blind, that you may see. And in that text he's talking to the Gentiles who were deaf to the sound and blind to the sight of the gospel. They were in total darkness. And for all the false idols and rituals and superstitions, they had no idea how to get to heaven. They were living and dying in darkness. But when Christ came and completed the mission he was given to do, the gospel began to spread throughout the world. And so it continues throughout the nations as the Spirit of God enables and empowers believers to speak of Christ as he raises up preachers of the gospel. And this message goes out in power and it brings light into the darkness. It's a wonderful thing that the light of the gospel is going out throughout this dark world. And that's what you have in verses 1 to 18, a description of that. And then in verses 19 to 25, you have a, a very different emphasis. And it begins, who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger, whom I send. 
goes on to say, seeing many things, but you do not observe. In other words, Jesus would come, and yet his own would not receive him. And the Jewish leaders would kill him, and that's exactly what they did, because they were spiritually blind. You know, you think of 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8, none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They were blind. And so the first 18 verses deal with salvation being brought to the nations, and then verses 19 to 25 with the blind rejection of Messiah by the Jews, that veil which continues to this day. But for us tonight, in this passage, in our text, God is declaring how you and I personally can know everlasting life. There is this great declaration of the way to life, and we find it in verse 16. And so let's look at the verse together and just see a number of the things that are said. And the first thing is this, seeing the way to life. See, it says, I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. Now, the blindness in view here is a spiritual blindness. All of us, dear friends, are born spiritually blind. We are ignorant of God by nature. We are ignorant of the gospel. You know, you think of the, the great questions that people never really want to ask, and you'll see this reality. You know, the question of where do we come from? You know, where do we come from? They don't know, and so they grasp with any explanation. And, you know, whether that be from apes or the product of some big bang or the rest, they don't really know, and they don't want to know. But the Bible says that God made us. And then other questions like, well, what is the meaning of life? Is it, you know, just getting smashed every weekend, trying one relationship after another, trying to get as many things as possible into our lives? They don't know. You ask people in the street, you know, why are we living in the world? What's the point? They don't know. But the Bible says that we're here to glorify God and that we need to prepare for, for death and for eternity. And then there are questions like, well, well where are we going? What happens when we die? Where, where do we go? People don't know. They've got all sorts of theories and they try and soothe their fears and their conscience. But the Bible's very clear. It's appointed once for man to die and then the judgment. And if we don't know the way of eternal life, if we don't know the gospel, don't know Christ, we face eternal condemnation and darkness. And God says he is something so wonderful because he says, I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. God says that he will grant sight to those who are spiritually blind, that he's going to show them the way to life. And the way that he shows them is through the truth of his word, the Bible, the truth concerning Christ. And here in this inspired, inerrant, infallible book is the instruction for life, how sinners like you and me can be saved. And no other knowledge in all the world compares with that. God takes those who don't know, those who are spiritually blind, and he gives them sight through that precious work of the Holy Spirit so that they can see the truth, so they can see Christ as the Savior he really is. One preacher tells the story of a Scottish man from a number of years ago, and he was a very clever and intellectual man. In fact, he held a position of great prominence in one of the great centers of learning, but he wasn't a Christian. 
And more, this man had no interest in the things of God, in the Bible, in the Lord Jesus, or anything to do with eternity, and his heart was so hard. And one day he was away and he was walking through a village, as it happens in the south of England, as a beautiful day. And outside one of the cottages in this village was a little girl. And she was sat outside reading a Bible. And you know, as he was walking along, he saw this, and you know, the very sight of this infuriated him. The very sight infuriated him. His, his lips curled in irritation. And as he walked past, he couldn't resist asking the, the little girl a question. What are you doing? And she replied, sir, I'm reading the Bible. And the man said scornfully in reply, why on earth would someone like you want to be doing that? And the little girl said, well, well, my, my mom is a believer. And uh, she, she believes in the Lord Jesus. And she gets a lot of help from this book, sir. And actually, I love reading it too. And I especially love reading it on a day like this where I can come and sit in the sunshine and I love reading this book because it's God's book. Do you know, the man was totally taken aback. Anyway, he carried on and he, he just couldn't forget what the little girl had said. And so against all his reasoning, all of his intellect, he began to read the Bible for himself. And God dealt with him and showed him the way that he had never seen before. And that man was brought out of darkness into the light, was spiritually blind, but was granted sight and trusted in Christ for himself. You know, that's what God does by his grace. He, he brings the spiritually blind by a way they never knew. They come to understand the, the truth of the gospel. We don't know it by nature. We can't learn it by education. The spirit of God has to open the sinner's eyes to see the way to be saved, to believe. The word of God is the light to our path. And it's only as that truth is applied that it transforms us and shines into our dark hearts. You know, it's as if our hearts are, are locked shut and they're dark, there's no light. But then when God is at work, our hearts are open and light breaks in like into a, a dark room, into every corner and dispels that darkness. And we all need that. You know, we have fallen, ruined natures and hearts that are deceptive and evil and dark, but the light of the gospel can break in. And so let me ask you, has your heart received this light? Or are you still in the dark? Are you spiritually blind and cannot just see these things? That's the reality. God must break in. You know, the answer to that condition, if you feel your heart is still in the dark, it's right there in our text. God is able to bring you along the way to life, a way that you've never seen before. It's the way of Christ. And you can cry out to me, say, Lord, you have said in your word that you will bring the blind by a way they never knew. Lord, please bring me on that way. Please shine the light of truth into my dark, sinful heart. Oh, Lord, please deliver me from the darkness that I might know this life, that I might know you. That's what God does when he saves sinners. But then there's another element to it as well. I will bring the blind by a way they did not know, but then also I will lead them in paths they have not known. You know, God leads people to salvation by unknown paths. You know, people don't know how to be saved. They don't know the gospel. 
You know, that's why when God began to, to work amongst the people in Acts and the Holy Spirit began to convict them, what did they cry out? What must we do to be saved? You see, they didn't know. And people don't know. You know, if you go and knock on the doors of the people who are in uh, Penzance around us and not believers, and you don't, or anywhere else for that matter, and you go and ask them, how do I get to heaven? Imagine what their response would be. You know, they'd think that you'd lost the plot. You know, what, what are you talking about? You know, and if they did try and give an answer, if they even believed there was a heaven, you know, maybe they'd try and find some answer, like, you know, being good and doing your best or treating others well or stopping those bad habits. Maybe they would mention some type of religion or praying, all the usual answers. But it's nonsense. You know, there's nothing in the Bible that identifies those things as the way to get to heaven. No, it says, God says, I will lead them in paths they have not known. You know, people don't know it by nature. They have to be shown that's true for you and it's true for me. And you say, well, how, how does God do this? He makes people feel their need. You know, in a, a wonderful way, he, he touches their hearts and their consciences and makes them realize that they have a desperate need, that they are spiritually bankrupt. And that there's sinners before them. You know, one preacher gives a true example of this. There was a man who lived on the Isle of Lewis. And uh, he was very happy with his life. And he lived as he pleased. And all seemed to be going well. And for all the, the Christian influence around him on that island, he just wasn't interested in Jesus Christ. And then one day, suddenly, a deep distress came over him. And he, he, his life felt empty and, and something was missing and he didn't know what it was and he just tried to put it out of his mind but the problem was that he couldn't. And it stayed with him. And so much so that it began to make him feel ill and so ill that he just took to his bed. Physically, there was nothing wrong with him. But he just went into his bed and, and didn't want to see anybody and the doctor was called out. Now, the preacher who tells this story says that the doctor who dealt with him and went was actually a member of his church. And this doctor was called, and in the Lord's goodness, this doctor was a believer. And she went into the room, and she found the man in his bed, and all the covers were over him. He didn't want to see anyone. And the doctor was given perception to see that physically there was fine, there was nothing wrong with him. And so she said to him, are you feeling that you need some spiritual help? And the covers came down just a little bit. And she said, do you feel that you need God in your life? The covers came down a little bit further and he began to listen intently. And the doctor used this illustration. She said to the man, tell me now, if you were very hungry and there was a shop selling bread round the corner, surely you would be well advised to get up out of bed and go and buy some bread. And she said, there's a church down the road in Stornoway, and if you go to this church, it is like the shop with bread. You'll get bread for your soul, and you'll be shown the way to life. Do you know, the man listened, and by God's grace, he went, and God dealt with him and showed him the way to life, and the man trusted in Christ, and what he was missing was found. God led him on a path that he'd never been on before. My dear friend, let me ask you, do you have a longing and sense of need in your life, but you don't know what to do? 
Have you felt in your heart that there is something missing? Well, God may well be stirring you and, and disturbing you and convicting you and leading you to see that you need to be saved, that you need Jesus Christ, that we can't do without him. God has made us for himself and our hearts are restless until they find our rest in him. You know, people, you look around in this world, they're trying to make themselves happy and they are so selfish in that pursuit. And they think if they, they take in the things of this world, then they'll be happy and they'll be fulfilled. But it's just not true. You know, far from finding happiness, they only find more disappointment, more misery, more brokenness, more emptiness. You see, the way of the law is the only true and right way. And God in his grace willingly leads sinners along that path of salvation, a path that they would never know apart from his gracious intervention. You know, we are so lost and broken, we cannot do anything to change that. Our relationship with God is broken. It separates us from him. God is holy. We are not. God must punish sin. We face eternal condemnation. But God, in his grace and in his mercy, sent his own son as the solution. And the Lord Jesus came to fulfill God's law and live that perfect life we could never live and then die on the cross to atone for our sin by shedding his own blood. And our sin, dear friends, must be punished. And it will be punished either at the cross through the saving work of Jesus or we will face that punishment forever. If you want to be saved, it is faith alone in Christ alone. But the world doesn't know that. It's foolishness to them. And it remains that way until God shines in their heart and leads them through that narrow gate and onto the path to everlasting life in Christ. But God says that in his grace he will do it. But then there's another element to it as well. I will make darkness light before them. From darkness to light. You know, God declares here that he will open blind eyes and lead sinners in a new way and here bring light into the darkness. Do you know there are so many lovely examples of this in the Bible? So many examples of how God did this. Let me give you one. John 9. This man born blind, no fault of his or his parents, but he was blind. And Jesus deals with him and speaks with him and spits on the ground, makes clay, puts it on his eyes, and he says to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And this man did as he was told, and obedience, friends, always brings blessing. When God tells you to do something in his word, and you do what he says, you'll never lose out in eternal terms. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, told this man to go and wash off the clay mix that he had put on his eyes, and so he did. And he went and he washed and immediately the darkness was gone. And his eyes were opened, he could see. And more than that, his spiritual eyes were opened to Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And later when he was under that severe questioning by the authorities as to how this had all happened, he testified that the Lord Jesus was of God, the Son of God. You know, when the darkness of sin's grip is dispelled, the blindness removed, we see Jesus. And we see him as the Son of God, the only Savior. And no worldly qualification can give you that, only the grace of God. 
And as the light of the gospel shines brightly, then you know, as it comes to you, as it shines in your heart, then you know he is my Lord and he is my God. He is my Savior. He has delivered me from darkness. He has plucked me from the pit. And we rejoice because this Savior is ours. Our lives are never the same. There is no true conversion without a changed life. God brings light into the darkness. And then the last couple of things. God makes the crooked things straight. Crooked places straight. You know, crooked things occur in our lives, don't they? You say, well, what do you mean? Well, problems that we can't understand, and we all have those. Why did my loved one die? Why do I have this illness? Why have I lost that friend? Why did that accident have to happen? Why is this situation unfolding in the way that it is? Crooked things. And there are many in the Bible who face problems like that. The most well-known is, of course, Job. You know, this rich man, life was going on. He was seeking to follow the Lord and suddenly everything went wrong. His children were killed. His home was destroyed. His health was gone and everything else could have been much worse. And there he was sitting in the dust and, and scraping himself because he's covered in boils. A devastating change. He, he seemingly lost everything and he was left with that question. Why, why has God allowed this to happen to me? Maybe you've asked that question at times. But behind it all, God was working all things, even the very worst, for good. And so in the end, Job would be more blessed than before. You see, God uses those things which bring us down in order to bring us up again so that we are changed and looking to him. You know, so many people, dear friends, take the gospel for granted. And maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you've heard the gospel many times and maybe even now you just want it to end so that you can go on and do what you want to do and get back into the world. You know, there are plenty of people who have heard the gospel for years, but sometimes the way that God brings them to really listen is to bring them down first. And there in the quietness of a hospital bed or some unexpected difficulty, they suddenly find themselves asking Am I going to die? Is this it? What hope have I actually got in this life? And then maybe by the grace of God, they are brought to see the hopelessness and the, the sinfulness and the great need of Christ. But there are no guarantees. You know, many are given to hear the gospel. Many are given to hear the warnings. And even when they face the troubles of life, they will not believe. And they die without Christ and go into a dreadful eternity. I pray that's not you tonight. You see, God will make the crooked places straight and he does it through the means of what seems a crooked thing and that is the cross. You know, people look at the cross from a worldly point of view. They can't understand it. Why the cross? Why did Jesus have to die? Why did God punish his own son? He didn't deserve it. They can't understand it. Seems crooked. Well, the explanation is that God sent his son to be the savior of sinners. And to do that, the Lord Jesus Christ, the just, had to die for the unjust. The perfect one stood in the place, ruined sinners deserved that they might be saved. It's incredible. He became curse for those under the curse. 
And suddenly what seemed crooked becomes straight because it's God's solution. God is at work. Another crooked thing, people say, well, why does God send anyone to hell? Why doesn't he just forgive everyone? Why doesn't he just wipe the slate clean? Well, God is infinitely holy. And he can't forgive sin except on the basis of his own sin, uh, of his own justice being satisfied. God, God cannot forgive sin unless a penalty is paid. And you may not like that, but it's the truth. God won't forgive anyone except on the basis of his justice being satisfied. That's why Jesus had to die. He died to satisfy the justice of God. And again, the world looks on and they say, well, that seems a very crooked thing. But you see, God is saying that he will make the, the crooked thing straight because it is his way. It is his solution, the only solution. You know, if people will not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The consequences are devastating. You know, there is only eternal punishment in hell. And friend, I take no pleasure in setting that before you. But I must. It is my duty before God. I don't want any of you to be in any doubt this night. I don't want to deceive you or to leave you with any type of false impression. There is no peace to the wicked. There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. There is a hell. And outside of Christ, that's our destination. That's what the Bible says. There is no salvation except through Jesus Christ. No other name under heaven given by which men can be saved. And so let me ask you, every one of you, are you right with God? Are you trusting in the blood of Jesus? And if not, do you realize the danger you are under as you leave this place tonight? If suddenly death were to come to you, there's no second chance. Now is the day. Now is the time of salvation. Don't miss it. You see, God has promised to bring the blind by a way they did not know, to lead in paths they have not known, to bring light into the darkness, to make the crooked straight. These things, God says, I will do for them. And then, most wonderfully as we finish, and not for Satan. That's a wonderful thing. God says when people come to the Lord Jesus Christ, when they are saved by his grace, he will never forsake them. Do you see that? You see, it means that when God saves you, when he brings you to Christ, he will never let you go. Those whom God saves, he keeps, and he brings home. It is all of his grace. Once you are truly saved, you are saved forever. You cannot be unborn again. He gives eternal life, not temporary life. God says, I will not forsake my own. I will not give them up. I will not give them over. I will never leave them. And that's a wonderful comfort. You know, maybe some of you here tonight feel that you have very little faith. Maybe some of you are struggling to know if you're a Christian at all. Well, dear friend, even little faith can save as long as it is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the strength of your faith that saves you. It is the object of your faith. And Jesus saves to the uttermost, those that call on his name. You may feel very weak tonight and you may feel as though you, you just can't go on, but God won't forsake you. God won't forsake his own. As one explains, if you have even the, the grain of true faith in Jesus Christ, 
you will certainly get to heaven just as much as Paul or Calvin or Luther or these great men and women of old. If you have faith, even the tiniest faith, you will be saved. If you lack much assurance, be comforted because God promises that he will not forsake you. If you have faith in Christ, it was God who gave it to you. And the comfort is he will be with you always until you get safe home to glory. You know, what if you're here and you're not a Christian yet? You feel that you've got no faith. Maybe you're thinking, what does it mean to have faith? Well, Spurgeon wants to use the following illustration, which I hope will help you. He said, faith is like this. Imagine there's a three-story house and there's a little boy upstairs in the bedroom and he's on the, the third story. It's a big house and there's the boy upstairs and a fire breaks out in the stories below. There's no way that the boy can get down the stairs, but there is the father standing outside the window on the ground level outside, you see, and so the boy is looking through the window. The fire is there. The boy cannot come down. What does the father do? He says, don't worry, son. Jump, and I'll catch you. Well, it's not an easy thing to do. None of us enjoys jumping out of windows, and certainly not third-floor windows. But the boy said, what am I going to do? I don't like jumping all that way, and my father might not be strong enough, and I might jump in a way he can't catch me, or I might break both my legs, and I'll die. It's not an easy thing to do. Jumping out of a third floor window, even with a fire underneath. But just then the flames come flashing through the floorboards. And the boy realizes the urgency of the situation. And so he jumps. And his father catches him. And hugs him. And says, now we're together again. And you're safe. You see, that's faith. It is trusting that God will embrace and catch you when you jump. And the reality is, dear friends, time is short, eternity is real, and hell will engulf all who do not jump into the arms of the Savior. But if you hear his call and you cast yourself upon him, he will do everything that we have considered. He will receive you, he will embrace you, he will love you, he will comfort you, he will forgive you, and ultimately he will take you home to glory. And so may it be that tonight is the time when you come, just as you are to the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior, that you might be brought to see, that you might be brought on that path to glory, that you might know that light shining in your darkness, that all the crooked things would be made straight, and that you would have that confidence that God, who has begun that work in you, will see it through to completion. You see, that's the wonder of the gospel. Salvation is of the Lord from beginning to end. And it is all bound up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the all-sufficient Savior. May you be those who rest in him and trust in him and know that you are safe. Amen.